0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Expanding reality. Tanya
2: Pattiston, it is so nice to see you. It's finally grateful to get you on the show here. Here we are. We're hanging out. You're fascinating and amazing, of course. Uh You're tied in here with the tribe. You have an incredible gift and an incredible skill set that just re- speaks to my heart directly. And I'm just so grateful to get to introduce you to my audience and to hang out with you for a little bit here. So to the first part first, if you don't mind, introduce yourself for the audience that may not be too familiar with you, Don.
1: Okay. Hi there. And Brandon, thank you for having me. I just enjoy your show so much and the content you bring to the light. Really a beautiful thing. So I'm honored to be here. Um, So I am um, a veterinarian uh, who then, um, well, started working with Reiki with animals, which led to animal communication, which led to energy healing, which led to Uh, the human-animal connection. Um, I do a lot of portal work. Um, I do a lot of connecting people to, to their own light and helping guide them through it. And the animals have really brought... To light the humans, and you know what I can do to reach them, and um, really, it's just a, a beautiful thing. So I, I'm, I'm newly recognized as someone who does all the other stuff professionally. I've been a veterinarian for 25 years, but this this new journey has been the most exciting yet.
2: It's a new chapter right it's you you've always been in the mode of healing but now it's healing in a in an incredibly broad and beautiful way even accentuating on what you felt limited by in the veterinary field or the medical field you were you know introduced to in school right
1: right exactly um you know I was I was awake as a child and um, pretty much once I turned that off around 12 years old because of some negative experiences, um, I was kind of caught in the matrix just going through, I had to be someone, you know, I had to fulfill all of these roles that my parents and society expected of me as a, you know, a gifted student and, um, you know, was eventually led down the path by an amazing I would say divine intervention to be a veterinarian as my, my goal was always to work in the ocean as a marine biologist being from the ocean state in Rhode Island. um, My trajectory after uh, well, during high school and afterwards was to go into marine biology. I love the ocean. I love the creatures within it. I would be in the ocean every moment, felt harmony in it. Um, Just loved exploring, collecting creatures and observing them and, You know, went into um, actually applied to marine biology programs exclusively out of high school, spent my last year in high school um, as they allowed us to go into an area where uh, we were interested in our profession. So I spent a year at the Environmental Protection Agency watching marine biologists. And I was like, this isn't marine biology. These are all like dead tissues. These are scientists in dark labs. Like I need to be out with the living creatures. But I was like, you know, that that's still okay because I'm gonna go to this marine biology program. I ended up going to the University of Rhode Island because we are the ocean state and they had a great program. And so I was, um, you know, on the mark for that. Got my schedule together on freshman orientation at the University of Rhode Island was all geared up and I'm in this line. This is before technology today, of course. So there was, you know, a lot of manual entering of things. And I spent the first part of the day just, um, Putting in the different classes, getting them organized to go into the College of Marine Biology. So we're now we all have to stand in this long line, right? And we are on campus. It's June. It's a hot day. And then one by one, we'd we'd file in, and we would have the official registrar, what have you, um, enter these in, and that would be your schedule. So I'm in the line, and I was really shy at the time, and I didn't really know anyone around, so I was just kind of you know looking around, and it was hot and And I made eye contact with one of these faculty members that happened to be standing, keeping the line in order. And, you know, he looked at me and he said, hi there, little lady. He said, anything I can help you with, with your schedule or any questions that you have? And then I've said this on on another show, but I looked at him. And for the first time in my life, I said, yes, I don't want to be a marine biologist I want to be a veterinarian. And he's like, I'm the head of the animal science department, come with me. And he totally took me out of the line. I'm this shy person. It never came out of my mouth before that. Not a word of even going down that path. And this man, this this angelic presence was like, no, 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 this is not your timeline. You need to work with animals. And because And because of that, he took me down into his office, head of veterinary program, and he just signed me up. And the rest of it just made sense, you know, from there forward. My parents and everyone else was totally freaked out because my mom's like, do you know how much school that is? What about the ocean, marine biology? You went to the wrong college. then." I said, no, mom, it's perfect. It's perfect. And um, then dedicated my life from there forward, just um, learning everything I could so I could be of service to the animals. And it just, it clicked. It was like, I hadn't thought about it before, but somehow my my higher purpose was always to work with animals in that capacity. Because with the animals that are domesticated, that are pets, that are beloved family members, comes the ability to also reach the human, the client. And that's essentially where the path led me. So now I not only work with animals in a beautiful way, but connecting with them, going through a spiritual awakening, connecting with them on a different level, I'm able to now reach the human through the animal and recently been able to reach the humans without the animals being part of the equation.
2: This is so awesome. Of course, of course, of course. So, of, of course, your divine timeline intervention there at 19. I mean, that's that's a huge redirect. And it seemed to be, yes, that this angelic presence was just like, all right, she'll be by any minute. Now I'll know her when I see her. And there you go. And it's just this ping, go. and it's just this automatic thing. Outstanding. Now, I am curious about, you said switched off at 12 and uh, we know um, that you get get this indoctrination period. We get this time of magic while you're also being told there's no magic Uh, while they're saying there is magic, but not really. Uh, It's an odd confusing time and it just seems to get more so later on. But in that time period, you seem to have a window where you are experiencing a ton of magic that you were aware of from your perspective. So I've not heard anyone say that they deliberately switched off at at a certain age. So I'm curious about not what happened to you, unless you prefer to share that really what the magic was like before you you hit twelve. What what were you experiencing in that way?
1: So when I was about five and a half, we moved into this um, in Rhode Island, this giant historic farm estate. And it was from the 1840s, but really a lot of the things that we'd find on property um dated back to Native American times, the um, you know, American Revolution, that sort of thing. So I was in this, you know, area that was isolated and it was like my my fairy tale land. It became, my imagination was in full swing there because my parents would be busy working. They were both, you know, working full time and I would just explore. And I was like an archeologist. I would dig up all of these things. And as I dug them up, whether it was an arrowhead or it was a pail or a horseshoe, when I touched the item, I was able to, whether it was purely imagination or not, but I felt the energy with the experience that went into that object. Um, complete with that was a uh, a graveyard that was essentially part of the farm property. And within that graveyard, there were people that were buried there uh, dating back to the 1700s, all the way up to probably pre-World War I. A lot of civil war type things um, in there. And when I would walk through, I was never scared. I, you know, always gravitated towards certain, I guess, sites where one was a little boy named Charlie. And I would feel the energies around what went into their passing. And I could feel the energy of the parents mourning the child and the family that lost the soldier. And it it was so profound that I found myself there quite often. And um, but nothing really happened in the cemetery other than that. But the, ho- the house itself was alive. I mean, there were spirits everywhere. I mean, there, there were. And of course, as a child thinking, you know, everyone's telling you it's not real. It's not real. But I was at that point clairaudient and clairvoyant i could hear there were children that walked around my bed laughing every night there were heavy steps going up and down the stairs and i would repeatedly tell my parents that i was experiencing these things and you know they were just naysayers at the time they didn't want to frighten me although they did hear some things themselves later on um and i would just kind of live with it 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 was a, i was a little fearful of it but to me it just like the property was alive it was like all of these Streams of consciousness were just like time wasn't linear. Like I could go in and out of different timelines there and immerse myself within the feeling of, say, the horseshoe that was there or, um, you know, between the graveyard, the old barn that still smelled of horses and cattle and still had a hayloft with some hay in it. Um, And then all of the land, it was just like a natural paradise. It was for me just I don't know what I would have done um, without that experience. So most of the experiences I had were benevolent. But when I was 12, so there was one time before I was 12 where I was on a tire swing in my yard. And as I went up on the tire swing, there was this very dark figure that was probably 10 feet tall that was walking above like the hedge line coming towards me and then i went down on the tire swing and came back up and it was gone but it was such a powerful visualization i was like whoa this isn't you know this isn't all fairy tale land this isn't all like positive imagination and then came i was a latchkey child then came the day that i came home from school it was fourth grade i believe Came home from school and my house was, there was a central staircase and then there were all these rooms that kind of circled around it and one door opened to the, the next room and so on and so forth. So I'm sitting there watching television by myself and all of a sudden the house started, it's like something transformed. It almost came alive and it had this energy that was very scary. You know, that's all I can say. It was, it was terrifying. And both of the doors in the room slammed shut at the same time. And I was trapped inside. Um, I screaming out of the house, you know, was able to get the doors open and left and sat in the driveway. And I remember just panicking, waiting for my mother and to come home and I wouldn't go back in the house. And, you know, that's the time where I said, I don't want to see or I don't, you know, I don't want to see or feel or hear anything again. And it was pretty much a profound at that point forward. I don't remember ever experiencing anything that I can really put my fingers on, um, until my awakening in 2021, I've always been connected. I mean, animals, let's face it. They are so easy to connect with when you have these beautiful, their heart portals are wide open. They have this divine connection, like how I just figured everyone kind of felt around animals. Like I did, like could feel what they were not just thinking, but just knew more by touching them or being around them, um, which really helped me as a veterinarian be a very successful diagnostician and all of that prior to my awakening. Um, But after I had the awakening, it was, I had cleared out so much that my light body was activated and in there. So I could, connect with animals on a different level heart portal to heart portal light body to light body and they were ready for it and and not every animal is open every you know every every being has free will Um, but for the most part once i found that connection and cleared away my separateness and my ego i was able to see them as part of me and everything else that is and their beautiful the, like the beautiful song that they had to share with the world and what their purpose was in the lives of so many of these humans and it has been such an amazing gift and in that it is difficult because I do work as a you know a clinician a Western medicine veterinarian. Um, I now do alternative therapies, and I have a business where I can reach people and animals. You know, from that alternative vantage point. Um, but sometimes I just, you know, I, I do incorporate it into everything that I do. I may just not say it um, to the owner, but I, but I do. I have plenty of times where the animal will defer. Or look, look to me and I immediately change my gaze over to the human and I'm like, you brought them here, you know, and there comes a conversation. I'm also an oracle of truth and light codes. So I do get information for people. And so I've been in this situation where I'm there as a professional, I'm there to see the animal, the animal is energetically communicating with me. Some of the animals are actually coming in with illness that is derived from siphoning it off of the human. So there's this whole interplay of I'm siphoning, I'm siphoning, my human needs help. And I'm going to hold on to the sickness, the density, whatever it is, until they can find their own light, right? And and most animals can do this for a very long time. Um, but inevitably, they can become sick from it as well. If If the human doesn't give them a break and a time to recharge. Like some people that are caught in their stories and anxiety, depression, you know, trauma. And I see so much of that. And they know the animal is giving them comfort, uh, but they don't understand the capacity to which they are receiving love and healing just by having them in their presence through these energetic cords. So I see the cord from me to the animal, then the cord from the animal to the human. And then I can connect to the human. Um, and so I have, I do recognize when people are there to actually see me, they don't know they're there to see me. Um, and I will often engage with, you know, one question that may, I'm very personable. So I usually like know a lot about people, but I'll just ask a question about something and it'll be maybe a trigger point to where, um, as an empath, but also as a veterinarian, people are very open with speaking with me. So that is a beautiful thing. But now that I have these little tools to hand over, maybe some light code subtly, or just you know, give them a piece of a piece of love or some sort of light code, then I feel like my my job is done, and um, or at least partially. And the awareness that's brought in. Some it doesn't really kind of they don't connect to it right away, but I know that maybe sometime in the future it will. So I've been encouraged by my mentors to be the oracle when I feel something strongly that I must say. And the animal is like cheering me on. And I will go ahead and in some way that's very, you know, subtle. I, I, or sometimes direct, you know, sometimes it's screaming in my head. I will deliver that. And it's always to help the person. It's always to bring awareness. It's always to, you know, be something as, um, a gesture of light and love. And with an open heart and a quiet mind, it's, it's amazing how much you can sense and feel in any living being.
2: We get it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we get a lot of touching perspectives on this show. But oh my God, like that's outstandingly remarkable. The The way that you've connected, yes, I mean, we know that animals are healing tools for us, but I never, ever, ever would have thought that we're putting our shit on them like parents do to their kids or something like that. Like that's heavy. And the fact that they're here to take that is beautiful and makes folks like me and you all, all the more reverent for these creatures. But but also it, it's fascinating that you're able to see that your job is to heal that, that human thinks it's there to bring you to heal its yeah. animal that is sick from the sickness that the human is giving the animal. And you're able to detect that the animal is actually taking that on and relaying to you what's really going on. So in a way, you're now healing everything all together. Like it's so much deeper. But you, I noticed this with our vet. We have a phenomenal vet. And I'm sure you're incredible. Uh, if you were closer, we'd, we'd talk. But she uh, has this ability just to give you so much confidence in her wisdom and knowledge that... You're like, yeah, whatever she's doing is going to help the animal. And then that absolutely automatically takes it. But where you're able to then look at that person and say, hey, you know, what is that conversation? If you have an example, I'm just really curious uh, and, you know, no names or anything. You can trade the dog out for a cat, whatever you want. But I'm curious what an animal conveyed to you that you were able to convey to a human that where there was a connection made and healing done in a complete circle roundabout way. If you have an example.
1: Oh, gosh, of course they do. There's so many. Um, Well, my initial connection, how it all happened, and then I'll give you an example. When I went through a traumatic medical condition that threatened my ability to use my hands back in 2021, That led to a dark night of soul that led to my awakening and shedding density and losing the ego and all of that stuff and realizing that I was more than my hands when I define my worthiness in this world by everything i could touch and feel and just you know create because i'm a painter i'm an artist i'm a gardener i'm a surgeon and it was like the universe knew the only way to slow me down was to take away the things that would re- that that i required to do all the things i was busy doing and you know i was approaching pretty severe burnout because you do get it's not compassion fatigue but you do I was self I was self-sourcing so I was using my energy as a heart-centered like unworthy archetype um giving my energy to heal and in so I was depleting my own stores. So during the time that I was recovering from the hand um both hands five different surgeries in 3 months both hands being um you know not not able to carry out the tasks I um, had rescued this rabbit. Her name was Benita. And she was 10 and she had cancer, really serious cancer. And so it just so happened that while I was home, I was tending to her. She had about five months to live. Um, I was not her initial veterinarian through the rescue, but I became hers by default Two other surgeons tried to close this, you know, tumor area and they were unable to so they were like Tanya let me give you a shot and I am automatically connected with her and I was able to successfully close you know this surgical area and then two months later she came up for like the rescue wanted her to live out her final weeks and days in a loving home. And of course, you know, what's one more rabbit. So I said, yes, that rabbit, I took a breaky when I realized I was more than my hands that I could heal through energy without my physical body and that this rabbit would seek me out and connect with me. And she would have periods that, um, you know, one day I remember she she fainted on the ground and I was like, oh, this is the end. And my kids, I said, say goodbye to Benita, everyone. And so they were eating dinner and I was just crying on the floor and I went over and I touched her and I immediately felt this like jolt of energy and I was like, this is, and I was just learning Reiki at the time, but I put all of my love and intention into, through my hands, out from my heart, into my hands and into her. And I just sat there with her. And I like, there was a time where I couldn't even take my hands off her. It was so powerful. And so when I did remove my hands, because it was time to serve the meal, I I said, I'm going to take her to euthanize her after. And then my son Blake said, mom, look at Benita. And I turned around and she's up and she's eating at her little bowl and she's happy as could be. And I was like, what the? Wow. Wow. And so then she would come to me, she would seem to have days that weren't as good. And yet she would come over to me and push her head into my body and she would sit there and I could feel, she taught me. And then I was able to communicate with her. So she was the first animal I was able to communicate with in that fashion. And it was her, um, she actually ended up living two and a half years, like more than five months. And she had Reiki every day, but, um, you know, she was a powerful lesson to me. It was like, we're going to give you this beautiful soul. And their dharma is to come and help you learn your gifts all the while helping this beautiful creature live longer than perhaps they would have without alternative, without love. And um, yeah, she was, she was a gift. So from there, everything else just, just followed suit. Uh, Cause I was off for six months, you know, recovering with my hands. And so all the time, I had Bonita, and my other rabbits, which just to mention, um, rabbits are actually the easiest species to communicate with for me. And the reason being, I mean, animals don't have ego, right? But they are such gentle heart centered, like heart activators, because they're soft, and they're gentle, and you can hold them. And they have such beautiful, you know, they live on the earth, they graze off the grass, they don't have any expectations, they're prey animals, not predators. So there's just this natural beauty about them. And so they very quickly can um, offer themselves for conversation for energetic exchange for I mean, they're really here to, they blanket the earth, right? I mean, what other species is on every continent? And, uh, you know, they blanket the earth and just they're like little portal activators. They're little light beings to me. At least that's how I see them. And that's why I rescue so many. Um, So with all of my rabbits and my dogs, my dogs, you know, for sure. But, um, you know, not every dog soul is here on a mission, but most of them are. So of my three dogs, two of them. I can actively feel and have an energetic exchange with. And then I have one who's like, Loki, he's like mischievous and just like sometimes not even there. He's just like look at me, look at me, look at me, and like there isn't any depth. But he, but he's there for smiles, you know. And so anything that I might connect with him wouldn't be anything more than kind of just like smile, 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 ball, 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 feed me, feed me, treat, treat. And there are dogs that are here for that, but the ones that are and cats too, the ones that are here to help a human are on a mission to do so. And those I can meet at a certain level. Usually I need to be in person for that, where I can connect with them Mm -hmm. through the eyes. It's like this moment of recognition where they're panicked and they're looking around and that I can just like lock a gaze with them. And in some animals that would be considered a challenge, but not the way that I can connect with them. and and really anyone can. We all have this light. It's like seeing them for the beauty that they are and I look through and through there, I can it's like they recognize me as just love and you know, and trust. And for those animals, I'm able to reach in a deeper place. And that really is the reason well, I'm on this path, I I think. I mean, just being able to unlock that and then to share with other people how they can gain the same access. So I do, you know, I've done some workshops on animal connection because everyone, and in, in so doing, they can not only connect with their animal to understand like what might be, like, like, I'll give you an example. So I had this um, this dog that um, had tremendous OCD, had gone to, like, was just licking, 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 licking this paw. And had I hadn't seen it originally, but it had gone to behaviorists and gone to all of these things. And they've tried medications, they've tried therapy, distraction techniques, behavioral therapy, and the dog was still licking itself crazy. Like, And I ran into the owner, like, on vacation, and it, it was just like, "Oh, hi, how are you?" And she's like, "You know what? My dog still, still is like licking. We've tried everything, Tanya. Do you have anything? Do you think the energy work you do would help?" And I said, "I, said, well, it certainly seems like you've done everything else. You've done your due diligence. I'd be happy to work with you know your dog when we get back." And so she set up a Reiki session for me, too, which is more than Reiki. Again, there's communication, connection. Um, Yeah, of course, there's life force energy and all the beautiful things in that. But in this particular dog, the dog showed me a person in the household that was suffering heavily from OCD. And the dog was taking it from the human. And I just had to sit there and say to the dog, you know, telepathically is how I generally communicate, that you are only supposed to be a source of love in the house you becoming sick trying to take this from another human is not what you're here for like you need to just continue to thrive if you're burdened down with all of these kind of human burdens if you're burdened with that then you won't be able to be here for the full your full you know duty as a source of love and comfort and you know and compassion and so when i asked the owner um i said really i said i know i think i understand why it's not working i said do you have someone in the house that has severe ocd and she said yes she said it was one of her children and that that particular person has suffered with it for she was 18 at the time i think a great amount of it and she said you know what when this person's home the dog is worse and i said well, let's work on, you know, do your work with your daughter, but what you need to do is to tell this particular dog that like, this isn't your burden to carry. Like it just isn't. And so I just kind of cleared out the chakras and did what I could to realign the energy, you know, could, universal life force goes where it's needed. So I don't need to direct it. I can feel where it's needed. Um, but you know, and this animal willingly took it on and, um, was definitely better after that. And so I think that that is a perfect example of certain things that can happen. Now, are there types of anxiety, of of depression, of trauma, of anger, of hate, of jealousy that an animal can take on because it's a negative or low vibrational um, emotion? Um, yes. And that can come in the form of, well, it can block up lots of different chakra areas, but um, often it can lead to... Unthrift, sometimes cancer, sometimes, you know, uh, well, pretty debilitating conditions, you know, and the dog or cat they're they, they signed up for it. Like they willingly are taking this. It's not like begrudgingly, willingly, and they would continue and sacrifice themselves to do so because for whatever reason, they're mending hearts and they're selfless. So it's not like the human is intentionally doing this but the animal is most often intentionally out of love trying to heal trying to heal in a in a way that you know they're connected through this cord of love like once you have a you're in love or have love with another being and you're connecting in the heart then Anything can pass from one direction to the other. So I also teach people how to break the cords for the sake of the animal, and how to work on themselves and what these, you know, what these vibrational frequencies of emotions are, are kind of that they're not only not good for them, but that there is a definite correlation with the animal. And that's a tough one to um, to enter into in a lot of situations. So sometimes I have to like just let it be, you know, it's not the moment. Um, and again, that's why I've really wanted to, and, and one might say that I've sacrificed my, um, my reputation as veterinarian by coming out as someone who does all this crazy shit. Right. Um, but I don't think so. I, I think that the reason that I gained such prof professional respect and acumen. And um, was that so as a source, who is someone who must know shit, because, you know, a doctor, right? People say, yeah, she must know shit. And um, someone who has successfully treated animals and been a veterinarian, that I can then say, hey, you know, this, and it may come from a, a point where maybe they'll listen to me, because I know shit. And so maybe what I have to say has some merit, right? And so I was like, that's what it took all of these years for me to work as a professional, to then go through the awakening, to lose the ego, to find myself, to light, to ignite my light body, to then go back into the workplace, have this like transformation that was, you know, I mean, going, not everybody was ready for the me that came back after the hand stuff. It was a wild ride. I mean, I'm talking staff. You name it, like other doctors. It was, um, but I just was like, you know this. This is this is I me. Mean, I see things. Once you you can't unsee. When the veil drops and the illusion is gone, you cannot unsee that. So my reference point now is to whether it's a human, whether it's a client, whether whoever it is that I'm going to be there. I open my heart portal every day and I know I'm protected. Um, I open it every day and I wish my wish for each day is that if let me manifest People and animals that need my light, that need to just see their own light through my loving eyes, through the animals' loving eyes. And in there will be maybe an activation for them, but bring them to me so that I can be give them some sort of clarity or some sort of just key that will help them unlock something within themselves. And that happens now, you know, the light, the the more density that you shed the more your light body's activated and the more you can just connect, like on the horizontal plane, on every toroidal, you can connect with just everything. And so, um, yeah, it's a wild ride, but now everyone kind of just knows that, woo Um, you know, that you can get the really technical version of me that, you know, can recite lots of things and know lots of things, or you can get the side of me that, um, you know, might be able to have some kind of a, a truth code for you or may have some understanding. And I think holding a presence um, with a quiet mind and an open heart, when you hold that, other people that are just drowning, they can come up for air around you and feel safe. And you know, that's really what my job is here, like as a light worker, is to just be a safe place where someone who feels misunderstood, unheard, traumatized, whatever it is, that I'm just like, I'm looking at you with love because you've got to, it's a soul thing. Like my soul to yours, we're like one. So I love everybody as a soul. People might drive me crazy, but I have compassion for those that are maybe the ones that... you know, probably, um, in someone's eyes, may not deserve that level of compassion, but I find that's the only way to approach things. And, you know, one heart at a time, if if I can heal them, it's, it's more than the animals. They showed me the way. And now it's my turn to take their lesson and apply it.
2: Just uh, not enough. Um, positive things to say here. You're the embodiment of what we're talking about here. We have so many folks that we talk to with doctorates and who have been through the education system and who have done all of those things. And then now we speak in uh, terms that if they were back in college, they would not have finished their college degree for, or they would have been kicked out or something like that. And so to see you go within a disciplinarian and and then come out with some extraordinary experiences that actually help you do what you're here to do better, not to do your job better, which it trickles down to that, but to embrace your calling and to do that with zero boundaries or apprehension about being an authentic part of yourself. That's beautiful. And even more so to, let's say that you offer some of these alternative medicines. My folks are not cannabis people, but they offered their dog CBD because the vet said that it probably help. Same thing with some of these alternative things. Like my, you know, let's say a traditional home may not be into some of this Reiki stuff, but- if you say, hey, actually, this will fix your dog without me needing to go and do these invasive surgeries, you can sort of get them on a, oh, well, it's not going to cost as much. Cool. It's the budget plan. But then you you have an opportunity to show people the the true scope of what healing really means. And it starts with you. And you know this. You embody it. You take it on every day. It, it's just so remarkable to, to be here with you, to hear what you're out here doing. And then also, I want to compliment you on that you have a superpower of mine or yeah, I'd, I'd like to actually come back to your experience as a child and talk about your superpower real quick. So uh, your experience as a young girl, just before uh, we move on to anything else here, it seems like you did have a tr- remarkably open channel and that you had some opportunities to experience some incredible things. But it seems also that the further we get into programming, the more you know your parents were the whole time, the people who you're around, your ego structures, all of these things you identify with as safe are telling you that the things that you're experiencing should be scaring you or were non-existent at all. So therefore they were scary to you because they weren't acknowledged by by your structure, by your family. And then it's interesting that something amazing happened to where it ramped up in intensity and maybe not to do so to scare you off, but it did scare you off. And so what's fascinating, again, about this is it seems like it levels up in intensity to where you're now able to perceive more, perceive more, perceive more. At the same time, you're being told that you shouldn't or told that it's not real. So this uh, bifurcation within your psychology and then, of course, the experience of the world around you. But then also with that experience, it seems that it's still in there, your powers, let's say, because that's absolutely what this is. I'm hearing is just straight up abilities. And I'll come back to psychometry in a minute. But it seems like those have been there, but you found a way to alchemize them and to let the energies greet you in a way where it's controlled by you rather than external and received in a way that's scary or that can be perceived in a way that's comfortable for you to move on. And that's why it stopped because you asked it to. And this is the other thing about this. It'll keep inviting and keep ramping up and keep, oh, dude, she's super receptive to this. They don't necessarily maybe are speaking to you in a correct language if it's a guidance of sort. This is what's interesting. Uh, have you ever read the Seth material by Jane Roberts, like Seth Speaks or any of that? Any yeah. of that? Okay. I'm going through Seth Speaks now. And one of the things he talks about in there is as a spirit, as a as a being, as a personality, as an entity, his job, if you want, um, one of the jobs offered in afterlife or in another realm is to guide. Us right, so you're like your higher guide, and so what's interesting again about this is it could be just a guide that's doing its best. Like, oh, she's really into it, and then sort of blows it. You know what I mean? It gives you too much, and so that's almost like a part on the guide as well to say, "Damn, you know, we we had this thing." But again, I don't necessarily believe in um, faux pas here. It seems like it happened that way as a lesson for the guide, maybe. I'm reading way into this, but as a guide that was teaching you, but. You know, maybe went a little too far, but then also it was perfect timing for you to dip in, which all of it's planned at some higher level, even beyond the guide in yourself, which is, again, I mean, just so interesting when you start layering all this stuff together. Do you find and and so let me compliment on your uh, psychometry. So do you know that do you know what psychometry is? That's what uh, it's called, what you were doing when you can pick up an object and know its history and know all the story behind it. That is one of two superpowers, young lady, that I in this life would love to have. You're a teleporter away from being like the ultimate superhero in my mind. But you also have all the animal stuff ticked off. So you're actually excelling in that better. So psychometry is, again, one of my favorite things. Do you feel like you've completely lost that altogether or that you mentally just detach from it and that it maybe comes in every now and then without you mindfully doing so?
1: I I think it's still there. Um, well, I, I also do a lot of work with crystals, and <clears throat> they're powerful. and And animals are very responsive to crystals as well. So, as part of a healing modality, I use them. But I can. I was just at the ocean, and you know, I, certain rocks and crystals and minerals will call to me, and I will pick them up and have a certain feeling, just like every crystal has a different vibration. Like for me, crystals are alive. They're, you know, what they are sending out, what the vibration that they carry um, makes a different feeling or has a different, it just, it has a different feeling for me, each one. So I have this little like rock identifier app, but I don't necessarily need it. I can pick something up and I'm like, this feels like, Shade, or this feels like Jasper. And, um, even in its rough and form sea, you know, sea tumble and all of that, I can just like feel the activation. So, so I probably, and I, you know, I talk to plants, I'm big into plant consciousness as well. Um, you know, so I do think it's still there. I don't know if I could go, I've loved history. I, um, I remember being on the beaches of, of Normandy in my trip there and there, the sand was alive, you know. That I think anyone could go there and feel the power within all of that area and the history and, and everything that happened there. Um, so I think we all have a little ability to do that. We have a certain feeling, we can go somewhere <clears throat> and it evokes an emotional response or a physical response. You walk into a house, either the energy is good, the energy is bad, you know. So I think it's all about energy and feeling into it, but. <clears throat> the kind of creativity that I had as a child as an innocent non yet at that point programmed or, you know, psyoped on, on, on everything. I, I feel like if I could go back to the innocence of of my childhood before I learned who I was supposed to be and all of this other stuff in this, you know, in this, third dimension, then I probably would have that raw ability a lot better. So I'm seeking to get back to that. Um, but I do think everything has a feeling. And as someone who's clear, I'm, I'm pretty much clear. I'm clear cognizant and I'm clear sentient. I don't see and I don't hear. Um, those are the two things I turned off. And and as of yet, they've not turned back on. Um, but my my feeling and knowing Come together in a powerful combination. So, um, you know, I've talked to Amy Blair and I'm like, I just, this clairvoyant thing, I just want to see things. And she's like, you know, just keep working on it, Tanya. Um, I have seen bad things, but I don't see beautiful. I mean, I see beautiful things, but, you know, I had a star seed that I raised traumatically. Um, and he would be attacked by entities. And I had to learn how to remove them, recognize them, and clear them. Um, and so I would say that anything that I have seen has been more of the mama bear coming in. That's you know part of uh, the dragon in me is like alchemizing things, transmuting things that aren't positive or of the light that I think are a threat in this case was to my son. Um, And as far as light, I mean, I see light and love and everything, but no, I don't see ghosts. I've seen the dark stuff only because I'm supposed to, because I was supposed to do something about it. And I was in high connection with my son who was under attack repeatedly. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't know if I answered your question or if I went on a tangent, I'm known to talk a lot. So
2: you're perfect. You're just, it's great because everything you're talking about, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I hope she keeps going. And then you do. And so thank you. I I am curious. Um, and you did answer the question. I am curious about the, have you found an energy system or a chakra system within the animals themselves? I can do like lizards have different chakras from dogs.
1: So this is a very interesting question because you know I work mo- I work with mammals and they're all heart centered. Um you know they're all heart centered although their chakra system can be bogged up with things from the human or the or collective consciousness that are out there. You know they're not always protected against because they keep their heart heart portal open protected against collective consciousness, emotional states, trauma, all the stuff that's out there that it doesn't always have to come directly from their human, it can come from the environment and the stress within it. But um, I so yesterday, and I don't usually go on, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, they can have these like neighborhood pages, right? Where um, people say, Oh, I'm looking for in search of like someone to fix my roof or what have you. So I happened upon it yesterday, there was a picture of a turtle, that had, had its shell crushed. And underneath was a man Um, who explained that he was going to assist this turtle he saw on the road over to a safe place. And when he went to see the turtle, he realized that the shell was broken. It had been run over, but it was still alive. And so he was just asking for help. Like, what do I do? Some people were like, go to all these rehabbers. Of course, it was Sunday. Nobody was open. And I'm watching these things go down. And they're like, someone told me to just crush the head. They're hard to kill, whatever, like just put it out of its misery. And so I just like, before I couldn't think about it, I was like, I'll euthanize the turtle Um, you know i don't want it to suffer you don't you don't have to go to any of these other lengths that seem barbaric and certainly you know yes you're putting the animal out of its misery but at the same time there's humane ways to do that so i don't see reptiles right so here i am Then I start looking into chelonians and how difficult they actually are to euthanize because they can be without oxygen for like 27 hours. Their mind can still be alive long after the heart has stopped. Their metabolic rate because they're poikilothermic, meaning they're like as the temperature of them with reptiles is what it is in the environment. So that's why they always have to stay warm. And so if they've been traumatized, they go into shock. Their metabolic rate decreases, all of this. So I'm thinking of all this before I get the turtle. And then he, I meet him at the hospital and he's like, can I come in? I'm like, you know, I, I mean, you are a nice guy, but I really probably shouldn't take you in the hospital we just met. Um, so, so I take the turtle in and I'm like, I'm going to do this. So I, you know, call them my guides, my higher self. And I was just like, source, just help me help this turtle. So I put my hands on the turtle. And not only was it a reptile, but it was a wild animal. And I think we had a question, we talked a little bit about consciousness of wild animals versus domestic animals. And my understanding in, in touching this turtle, I immediately felt a connection. And I was like, I didn't realize that reptiles really had the same kind of connection. Although, you know, we are all connected. So, I'm touching the turtle and it was horrific. I mean, the shell was broken. It's, you know, turtle shells are basically their skin. You break the shell, there's the whole internal system. So, I'm looking at intestines. I'm looking, the rear legs are paralyzed. The back is broken. The front is moving its head around. It's got its little, you know, arms going like this. And I just can immediately feel that this. This animal is in panic, in pain, in distress, but it's trying desperately to, be, to stay alive. And so I just touched it and I said, with everything within me, I've never connected with a turtle, um, but feel the grace and the peace of my intention of love and comfort until I figure out how I'm going to get a vein and all of that. And so I just like in that stillness connected with the turtle. And I was like, what a beautiful soul. So I find a way I actually am able to get a vein in the turtle. I mean, because they also have like scales, get a vein and I give it a very serious, you know, high end kind of like opioid. And so it can just be comfortable so that I can then um, humanely euthanize it. So when I do that the turtle relaxes and you know just sitting there and I just had a moment with the turtle and I was like this is a beautiful connection it's not like the mammal connection but it's a different one it's a wild animal it's a rept it's a reptile um and but I but I still I could like feel it and it was just beautiful and so when I I gave the animal reiki and then I euthanized it and ensured it was you know, deceased and took it home and buried it. But on my way home, it was raining, pouring, pouring, pouring. I pull out of the animal hospital. I turn onto my street and this beautiful red cardinal just comes and kind of like hovers right in front of my car and passes on. And I knew it was the soul of that turtle thanking me. You know, those are the kind of signs if we look for it, they're everywhere. But I knew on this rainy gloomy day, this bright red cardinal, and it was torrential came and just kind of like, lingered in front of my car and then flew off. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was that that beautiful soul is free. You know, so yeah, I think we're we're all heart centered, at least we're supposed to be. And um, you know, we get too much in our heads and our minds and get caught up in all the things that in all of the things that make us separate from each other. But You know, I connected with that turtle as beautifully as in the moments before its death and in a state of pain and suffering as I would with any other creature. And it accepted my help. Like free will is still there. They don't have to connect with you. You know, animals don't, and some don't. But this one did in a beautiful, loving way. And I was just, yeah, I just came home smiling that like, What a beautiful soul that and what a tragedy. And thank goodness I was able to offer it a humane way to pass. But yeah, it touched me. So it it just so happens that experience happened yesterday. And no, I'm not going to start seeing Kilonians and turtles and, and all of that. But you know, I will be there if if one is in need for sure.
2: That's incredible. What an amazing story. And yeah, it, it's just even to the guy picking it up. We love those kind of things. Like the people just stopping on the side of the road, picking turtles up. We, we love that kind of stuff. It just shows the heart and the reverence, you know? And yeah, there, there's turds in every delineation. And we even say this, you know, jokingly, we have a shirt and all that about lizard turds, right? And he's
1: right, right.
2: Uh, reptilians that are running the place, but we don't, uh, Uh, Consider all reptilians turds, right? Uh, I feel that there's still balances and energies and all of those things. And just it seems like the turd reptilians have a large representational presence here, is what it would feel like, right? At some level. Uh, I've got a banger idea for you and your business, but I'm going to tell you off air. Um, But also, I wanted to come back just real quick to the chakra system. So, have you identified chakras in, let's say, dogs and cats? Let's just stick with those two because I'm just curious about what what your read is on the energy body of them and if they are do they have like the same portals or like do they have a root a sacro, a crown all that kind of stuff
1: oh they ha- they have all of the same chakras but they're not in the linear like shishuna line the kundalini line that we have they're in different places because they're also you know not bipedal so most of them are on all fours so it does change it um, I actually have this beautiful diagram in my office of the chakras and where they're located on all the different species.
0: That's awesome.
1: And yeah, they're not always where you think they're going to be. Um, but I have found that the was something I purchased when I was learning Reiki. And that it pretty much matches up with where I see the chakra systems. And it even goes to fish. And I haven't done that, although maybe that's what I was doing in the ocean all those years. I don't yeah. know. Nothing ever attacked me. I know. Yeah, yeah. So um, but they are different in every species. And I pretty much deal with dogs and cats and rabbits, um, and small other small mammals. So theirs are similar. Rabbits are they're not along the line that you would expect. Um, like their third eye and their crown are like together and like the heart, their solar plexus is like up a little further and their heart. So they're, they are in different locations and different animals, but you know, I would, I'm not someone who has worked a lot with horses, but I just can only imagine the energy of working with, the horse as one of the most powerful beings, you know, um, on this planet. But, um, but yeah, they are located in, uh, they all have them, the same chakras. I think fish are missing a couple on my diagram. But, um, but just the same. Yeah, I mean, they, you can tap into their energy centers, they, they have them, the meridians off of them are in different locations. That's why human acupuncturists would have to, you know, do something different to figure out animal acupuncture um and i do recommend animals to see alternative therapy too in addition and acupuncture is one of them so veterinary acupuncturists you need to know where the chakras are and where the meridian points are because they are different
2: wow it's a whole thing do you feel it's uh, actually i'm not even going to answer answer that question because that's the dumb question i'm just going to pull it right from my face and just tell you how dumb it was before i even get let it out of my face but your
1: questions are dumb brandon
2: do you, do you feel that it's all poppycock? Like it's all bullshit? I mean, because again, this is a dumb question because you're very healed into it. But do you feel that people who are out there doing acupuncture and things like that are doing it under the guise of bullshit that there are some charlatans in that area?
1: Oh, there's definitely. I mean, there's false light deception everywhere. Just like not everybody who's performing Reiki is doing it out of a good spate. Not everybody who's doing tarot. Because can you channel the darkness as easily as the light? Yes. Can the darkness come in as a false light? Yes. And so discernment is extremely important. And you know, you just have to feel things out, like. yeah, don't even trust reviews, things like that. I say, you've got to meet the person and like, just get a feel. I mean, we all have intuition, just use it. If we used it more, we'd be led down. But so many people are scrambling and desperate, like they're newly awakened or there's something and they know, and they're they're just desperate to get a reading or get, you know, a Reiki treatment or something like that. And so maybe the discernment goes out the door. But there's definitely some charlatans and I don't know of any directly in the veterinary field here around me. I think most are pretty reputable. But I mean, it seems like you can get Reiki almost anywhere now or what have you. So the people that I've gone to are authentic. Um, but yeah, oh yeah, they're just like there's fortune tellers, you know, and that sort of thing. Some of it is a psyop, some of it is they aren't. Aren't authentic. Some of it is false light, deception, corrupted light. But for the most part, I'd like to, you know, think that you can recognize that easily if you just open up your own internal sensor.
2: Outstanding answer, and you're absolutely right. And it's still all valuable in my mind. Like even charlatans, which is another reason I just felt it yanked from the right. record here but uh that even charlatans play their role in your awakening and, and sharpening your discernment because if you're just everything's correct and true the whole time how are you going to know that some shit isn't you know or some shit isn't in alignment with you you need to be bamboozled a little bit here
1: right absolutely
2: yeah that's absolutely. part of the part of the show and that's okay have you spent much time around dolphins
1: Oh my gosh, no, but dolphin consciousness.
2: That's what I'm saying. i connected with the rabbits, but I'm going to think like once you get around dolphins, it's going to be some next level shit for you, especially with your tide of the ocean. You're absolutely part mermaid and Atlantean for sure. And then, uh, you know, you get into the ocean. I bet you'd just be like riding dolphins around. You know what I mean? I bet that's what it would be. They would just carry you off to the- Oh
1: my gosh. I mean, just to, um, I think their their consciousness is Syrian, um, but their whales and dolphins have this, amazing beautiful consciousness and i would love to work with them um you know i did work with some marine life when i was doing an ophthalmology rotation who worked um you know do you know seals get cataracts like a lot no
2: um, like a lot a lot. Uh, like going for regular eyes like, yeah
1: yeah like a lot a lot meaning the ones at the uh the aquarium here we took it like i think it was like five out of 12 of them had cataract surgery
2: I pictured the little glasses for him. That's adorable.
1: Yeah, I know, right? <laughs>
2: a little
0: waterproof. But I
1: would, I would love to work with dolphins. They're just, oh, I mean, just everything about them. Their intelligence, their beauty, just the fluid. I've been on a boat and had dolphin, uh, like a pot of dolphins go by, and it's just this like rhythmic, beautiful, perfect. Just them coming out of the water, rising and falling. It's like, yeah, magic. Yeah, I. I that might be next, Brandon.
2: I'm thinking. Thank it you it. for
1: the suggestion.
2: Dude, it was—it's uh, in there. I—I'm shocked at, uh, that you haven't yet. And that's what's so wild about this. When you talk about your connections, and then knowing the depth of what we've heard about dolphins and their intelligence and their connection and all of these things, I bet you—like I said—you'd just be carried off to their kingdom and and be just there now.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'd be a little, yeah, Little Mermaid and hanging out with the hanging out with the dolphins. Yeah. But you know, when I go in the ocean, because I'm, yeah, there's all these some of it let's just talk about the fear narrative like how many shark attack videos do you need to watch like i'm up here in the ocean where we're near cape cod like there's a lot of sharks out there but i i have a respect for the ocean not a fear but when i go and swim way out and deep even drives my mother crazy i feel like i put this like love vibration into the water and that the harmony that I receive back, I just know I'm not going to be harmed. Maybe that's silly. Um, but, but there is a consciousness to the water as well and all the creatures within it. And I can really feel into that consciousness. And so I don't mind going out and just feeling, uh, you know. The raw elements and the beauty of the, of the creatures, the animals. Yeah, I'll see big things swimming by, but I've never been harmed with all the years I've spent deep out into the ocean in areas where we know the sharks are. Um, I just don't think about it, so I don't manifest it. I manifest safety and beauty and harmony. And that's essentially so far what I've experienced in the oceans.
2: I'm terrified by it, to be honest with you. So what's that about? Why, why does deep water scare the shit out of me?
1: It's mysterious. I mean, the ocean itself, I mean, a riptide just carried my son out in Nantucket last week and a lifeguard had to be called. I mean, the ocean's no joke. But when you have peaceful, calm waters, is it you know? It's I think it's the mystery and the fact that you know we walk on land, we don't swim in the ocean. Anything there that's coming after us is going to be a lot faster than anything we can do to get away. But I think there's been a lot of fear instilled. You know, it's part of we're getting all of these you know fear signals um, to keep us small. And there is so many. I just read yesterday. I opened my phone. It says you know person in Mexico decapitated by a great white tiger shark did this hammerhead shark. Yes, yes, yes. Hammerhead shark following woman on paddleboard, these things, you know. And so I think there's a lot of that that just, and if you don't know better, you think you're going out there and you're, you know, you're a target.
2: When it seems like it's ramped up, do you see that? Or has it just been reported more to make it seem like it's ramped up? Uh, these killer whales attacking sailboats and stuff like that, or hitting sailboats and knocking people off of stuff. Like, uh, before we knew that, you know, surfers knew this, that they kind of look like a seal from underneath when you're on the board and yeah. you're paddling with, your, with the profile. But even a sailboat, I mean, that's that's been in the water for a very long time. Killer whales are very used to this, but sharks are getting much more aggressive, it seems. And as well, whales are getting more aggressive, like get the hell out of our water kind of a thing. And it seems to be ramped up. But I mean, I'm just asking. What do you think?
1: So the way the, this is interesting, I was um I was reading a, a Syrian transmission yesterday about killer whale consciousness and essentially it was this um this person who channeled this information but it was it just resonated with me it's like you will see we are we are killing earth we are poisoning the waters with the plastics are in there like the animals with higher consciousness they're fighting back like they know that we're the perpetrators here they know that we're corrupting their waters and their earth and they're like these these whales have been and they're very much like galactic you know, connections and that sort of thing. They're pissed off. Like we're, we're, we're killing them. We're, you know, we're hunting them. We're overfishing. We're putting so much plastic and waste into the ocean that just shouldn't be there. But it's this whole thing on how we could help without the animals having to, and it's not, someone said, oh, well, maybe it was a whale that was like, you know, a boat hit it or they were upset. No, I mean, these beings, these consciousness is so elevated that their perception could be that they recognize the humans at this point, like get out of the water and stop putting shit in it. Like we'll share it with you, but if you keep corrupting it, then we're not going to just sit quiet. But yeah, they're they're coming out of the waters, you know, and attacking all of these different boats. It's like, just get the message, as far as the sharks, I mean with the warm the, the waters getting warmer, the overfishing like some I you know I don't know, I'm not a marine biologist now, but maybe I should go back to that to figure all this stuff out. Um, but but yeah, it is interesting. things are definitely changing.
2: Well, it's just really interesting uh, when you hear about these swarms of an, uh, birds, let's say, just fall from the sky or like fish raining from the sky, like all these weird things that occur and it has to do with the animal kingdom. And it really takes us aback. You know, it's really like, holy shit, what's going on? Uh, so what do you think are, are with all of those, like the mass, just like the birds that just fall, fall out of the sky, all dead at once? What do you think that's from?
1: I have no idea, Brandon. I wish I did. I think there is it time of the seven plagues again? Like, I don't, I don't know, but there is a lot of, it seems like the firmament is getting thinner. I I, like things are just happening at a level, like as earth is upgrading and the frequency and vibration and dimensions are, you know, everything's elevating, like shit's just happening. It's almost like there's no room for bullshit or, um, you know, a lot of this stuff that's unnecessary, we have to be made aware and whatever that situation is. Um, I haven't heard of the b- birds falling from the sky, but certainly it sounds biblical if anything also, um, see
2: videos. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. Cause it's like hundreds of birds at once just drop.
1: Yeah. I'm sure there's a scientific explanation. I certainly don't have an energetic one. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, just, just a lot changing a lot changing right now. And we all know, I mean, look at these solar flares hitting the earth. Like I think there was two M class two days ago yesterday was an X, an X class flare. The Schumann residence is off the charts. Like, you know, a lot of things are changing and whatever cannot hold itself within a higher frequency may not be able to continue on. And, um, You know, so I think we're going to be seeing a lot of things like, like, you know, aliens visiting Earth at a more regular, in a more regular uh, capacity. Or maybe, you know, I just, I think it's time. Something's got to change, right?
2: Yeah, it is changing and constantly. And if they scoop, uh, we'll make the agreement right now. If they scoop me up first, I'll swing by your place and vice versa. Okay. Send the UFO. Perfect. I love it. Let's go for a ride. Uh, I, I do want to know your your feelings about the the work that you're doing. I'd just like for you to tell folks about what you're offering with your new service and everything. So just tell us about the work that you're doing now beyond for us, other mammals out here for the more human mammals among us.
1: So, um, well, I think my main passion right now, I mean, I had my, my son is a, um, Andromedan star seed and he never, wanted to be here he knew he was different from the moment he was born he cried so my my raising a star seed from keeping him from taking his own life for years and years and years and awakening to my own awareness helped me hold the light for him long enough that I know that not every like I don't think that um prolonged states of depression anxiety like a lot of these a lot of these children that are just suffering with what they're being they're being suffocated by all the information that's coming in that doesn't hold truth and when you have a star seed or kind of a new soul from a higher dimension that came here to help um and they forget who they are and then they're submerged into this density and duality and polarity there's so many suffering there's so many star seeds being being you know born and are growing up. And so my focus right now is is really helping teens like my son, which I do complimentary because if I can reach a child when all other traditional medical, um, medical therapy, kind of Eastern stuff, when when that has failed your child or yourself And maybe it doesn't have to do with the brain. Like my son was diagnosed with anxiety, depression, OCD, um, possibly bipolar disorder, yet no medications ever helped him, went to every medical person that there was, and they just didn't connect because the problem wasn't in his mind. It was in his auric field. It was in his vibration. It was too, this is too heavy here. And so in that evoked, he was able to, in in not knowing how to protect himself, the collective density and everything around him was penetrating and going into his field and creating these emotions that weren't necessarily his to begin with. They weren't organic to him. And so I can, I see stars, you know, I can see when there's a star seed because being a mother of one and saving their life and helping them manifest the life of their dreams, which Blake is now doing, um, yeah it's it's quite a journey. And when I see these suffering children and these parents who have tried absolutely everything, you know, I'm willing to say, listen, if you if you want to try another approach, then let me work on the energy body. let's let's reach them through the heart. Let's turn our lights on so that we can pull other people into activation. We can help them see their own light. Like that to me is. If I could save a million or even just one child like my son from taking their own life or going down a path of addiction they can't get out of, a lot of addicts or those that just feel everything feel they don't want to feel it, so they numb it out. And, um, you know, my dad is a perfect example. He was an angelic, and he just didn't understand that everything around him he was getting in was never his to begin with. So, you know, he became, he was an alcoholic and, you know, he had such this beautiful light in him. And yet no one ever said, Hey, you know, if I can be there, reach those people, the ones that know there's something different about them. Like my son would say, I didn't ask to come here. This is not home. It's like, he refused to interact with this dimension. The food was poison. The information was poison. They know that, everything that they're hearing from the church from the school from all that that like there there's a corrupted code there and truth is the only thing that these well sensitive souls not just starseeds but sensitive empaths um psychically aware that they're they like get that something's not right and yet they're being told no, this is the right path. You have to go to college. You're not going to be anyone if you don't. And, you know, you have to do this and you have to be someone. And instead, they just know they're here on a higher mission. But noth- nobody's telling them that. Nobody's saying, yeah, you know, you are light and that's beautiful. You are different and that's a gift. And I think one of my gifts is reaching people like that, the ones that just, I've almost given up or just feel like they need to turn to things to just numb the pain and yet their light body is in there and it's like I just want to help them find it and took a long time of holding the light from my son until he found his own and helping him but I eventually with these these I had to tell him who he was and then when I did, with the help of a shaman, um, when I did, and I told him, I love you for everything that you are, everything that you aren't, and that all of this stuff that you've been through, it has never been anything more than you trying to struggle in a place that doesn't feel like home, that doesn't feel resonant to your beautiful blueprint. And so, so yes, I, I will also um, teach people how to do energy healing on their pets. Um, I animal connection um, I do have oracle guidance I'd like to mentor uh, be a mentor for those that are well either empathic star seeds whatever it's know something's different like I just got it you know like they know something's there but they don't really know how to articulate it or where to go like they'll find me I you know I'm I'm just one of, in service to the light. And so as a light worker, I just keep trying to manifest those that that maybe I could just help them turn their light on. I just want to manifest helping those people. So teens are my main focus, like the young coming into this world as something otherworldly and having a hard time. Um, you know, they have dharma, they have like a mission and that sense of mission won't be ignored but yet there's nothing that resonates with them around what's being offered in this dimensional situation at this point so so yeah and also um yeah helping people choose crystal doing crystal grids like bringing crystals into activation for your animals animals are very sensitive to crystals i love doing crystal work with animals So a lot of that, but I mean, it's only been two and a half weeks. I had two people sign up so far, but I'm like, I'm out there to let people know that like, if you have a child uh, and you just feel like nothing has worked, let me talk to them. Maybe, or maybe not. Maybe I can reach them in a place where I was able to reach my son. I feel like I was put through that process, that traumatic process of, of raising him and trying to help him see his own beauty that I was schooled to be someone who could then help others. Like, it's like, and I wrote a story about my son. I helped him manifest. He's in Montana as a fly fishing guide. Um, Nature was the only way he could find peace. He couldn't, you know, he didn't go to college, but a year before this, I wrote him a story and in it, I wrote his highest timeline. And I showed it to him and at the time it meant nothing to him. But that story and the depth of it and what it meant and it was basically the road home which was about him going to Montana and living in nature before we even knew he was going to be a guy, before we knew anything. And if you love someone enough and you connect with them you, and they don't have the ability to manifest their highest timeline, I, I think Blake's proof that you can actually help them. That story that I wrote It all came true. It all came true. Um, I just reread it and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is amazing. Like I said, I don't need anything more for me, but help me manifest this for my, my son. And That's what he's doing. And it was like all the stars aligned. He got this position in this, you know, huge, this lodge that like is on the Bighorn river shout out to Bighorn angler because they took on my son and man, what a difference it has made for him. Yeah. So all the stars aligned. So don't lose hope. I guess that's it. There's always hope.
2: Tanya, all the ways to find you are going to be located down in the show notes. You're of an open invite any damn time you want to come back. And I can't thank you enough. This has been
0: incredible. Thank you so much. You're so welcome, Brandon. Thank you so much for having me.